District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another installment of District of Conservation. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. We give you a sober look into public policy surrounding hunting, fishing, shooting sports, natural resources, energy, and environment. We're going to hone in on that more. But I want to give you guys an update as to the story I spoke about recently about the Department of Interior, specifically the Fish and Wildlife Service, looking to potentially settle sue and settle with the Center for Biological Diversity. We have new information on that front, what they're trying to do there, using the issue of lead bullets and tackle, prohibition of those two items, as a reason to close off 2.3 million acres that were open to new hunting and fishing opportunities on fish and wildlife service lands and also national fish hatcheries during the last year of the Trump administration. I'll explain why it should be alarming I'll read for you a letter that was issued by 40 groups calling out the DOI and Fish and Wildlife Service and urging them to not settle with CBD and what that entails. So it's good to see United Front. So we're going to explain all of that. But if you need to play catch up, I've included the most recent episode on this sue and settle case. We won't know the full details, the full terms of settlement until early April, according to this original filing, court filing. And we'll discuss kind of the implications if this were to go into effect briefly, but this will be a short but concise update to the previous discussion on sue and settle and the problems with that. I was alerted to this update on CBD and the possible settlement between the Fish and Wildlife Service from Sportsman's Alliance. I think I saw the press releases from them, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Safari Club International, and then... Sportsman's Alliance was updating everyone. They've really been on top of this. But before I talk about this coalition letter urging Fish and Wildlife Service to not settle with CBD, which is doing this to make money and to interfere with scientific research and wildlife conservation so that they could line their pockets. This group is not serious about conservation. They're trying to curb hunting and fishing, which are very instrumental in the North American model of wildlife conservation framework. People who pay into hunting and fishing are the largest contributors to conservation. It's a known fact. And they're trying to interfere with established precedent and established norms. Now, if you guys don't already know, hunting and fishing is allowed on national wildlife refuges, especially under the purview of the Fish and Wildlife Service. And I'm going to read for you from the Fish and Wildlife Service website as to why that is the case Hunting is a healthy, traditional, recreational use of renewable natural resources deeply rooted in America's heritage. It can be an important wildlife management tool. The National Wildlife Refuge System Administration Act of 1966, the National Wildlife Refuge System Improvement Act of 1997, and other laws and the Fish and Wildlife Service policies permit hunting on a national wildlife refuge when it is compatible with the purposes for which the refuge was established and acquired. National wildlife refuges exist primarily to safeguard wildlife populations through habitat preservation. The word refuge includes the idea of providing a haven of safety for wildlife, and as such, hunting might be seen as inconsistent use of the national wildlife refuge system. However, habitat that normally supports healthy wildlife populations produces harvestable surpluses that are a renewable resource. If you want to read more, I've linked to the Fish and Wildlife Service website. 
So in their mission statement, hunting is perfectly acceptable on National Wildlife Refuges. Again, hearkening back to my past episode explaining this case, Sue and Settle, they're contending that opening up new fishing and hunting opportunities on National Wildlife Refuges will imperil endangered species, encroach on sensitive wetlands, and do other things that would disrupt it. But as you can see, and what I read for you, hunting can be done even in the most sensitive of cases. So they're trying to find an illusory correlation to justify this type of suit. And it's under the framework of sue and settle. Like I said, go back to that past episode to learn more about it. But perfectly in line with the mission statement. And if you guys recall and can hearken back to the last days of the Obama administration in 2016, he put a midnight order just before he bowed out to ban lead tackle and bullets under Dan Ash, who was then Fish and Wildlife Service Director on National Wildlife Refuge lands under the purview of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. That rule was undone when Trump's first Interior Secretary, Ryan Zinke, came into office and undid that directive because even if you have a disagreement with lead, you don't like it, it's not your personal preference, or you're really, really concerned about potential toxic effects of it, which are highly debatable if you ask me, but lead tackle and bullets are quite an affordable option for most hunting opportunities and fishing opportunities. If you push to copper and other alternatives, they're a lot more expensive. And with someone just starting out to fish or hunt, can you imagine them forking over all this money to go fishing or hunting? It's going to dissuade them from wanting to go into the field or out on the water. So lead tackle and bullets, even with their supposed concerns, they're a lot cheaper. Their I think impact is minimal. Like if you're using very, very minimal amount of lead, you're not going to pollute as, as long as you're not leaving behind that lead tackle or lead bullets. If you're conscious of your surroundings and you're not polluting, you'll be fine. Again, we can take away, you know, contention with lead and whether or not it's as toxic as people report it to be. But if you want to force people into copper and other type of alternative bullets, it's going to come at a hefty cost for a lot of people who are not wealthy, who just want to enjoy time outdoors. This is the same discussion with energy. A lot of parallels where kind of these elitist types are saying, well, you have to hunt our way or you have to procure energy our way to be in the cool club. And we don't want that. We don't want people to be locked out of opportunities because they don't use lead tackle and bolts. So that's kind of the moral reason for why you and most sportsmen should oppose this, most sportsmen and women, and why I oppose that type of directive. Now let's go to this letter. Sportsmen's Alliance had written on March 10th that on March 9th, during a virtual legal committee meeting for the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, a senior attorney with the U.S. Department of the Interior stated that the Department of Interior and Fish and Wildlife Service have discussed phasing out the use of lead on refuges, a decision that would impact millions of sportsmen nationwide. And the president of Sportsmen's Foundation is quoted as saying this, the administration is needlessly negotiating away millions of acres of land and opportunities for hunters and anglers to participate in these activities that finance a great majority of the already underfunded refuge system, said Evan, uh, who is the president and CEO. American sportsmen deserve better. They deserve a seat at the table and a say in how the lands they financially support are used. And Sportsman's Alliance says what the impact of a prohibition of lead tackle and bolts can be on sportsmen. They write a prohibition on lead could impact millions of sportsmen, both hunters and anglers in every state in the country. 
sinkers, jigs, or other lures containing lead could be banned for fishing, while expensive alternative ammunition would only be the last resort, would be the only resort for hunters. And Evan continued, we're still in one of the worst ammunition shortages this nation has ever experienced, and now they're considering making it even more expensive to hunt. Like I said, it prices people out of the activity. That's very subtractive. That's very counterintuitive to conservation. You don't want to price people out of these activities. If people can find an acceptable alternative ammunition and afford the gas to visit a refuge. (laughs) And all of this is taking place without any consultation with the hunters and recreational shooters who pay for conservation. That is a known fact. I've talked about this at length since this new administration came into power. They are really removing sportsmen and women from the table. Now let's go to this coalition letter. This was authored to the newly confirmed Fish and Wildlife Service Director, Martha Williams, and it was dated March 11th. Read the Center for Biological Diversity versus U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Potential Settlement. I will read for you the contents of the letter now. After I read the contents of the letter, I'll skim through it so you guys can read it for yourself. I'm going to list the signatories of the letter. A pretty diverse group of conservation groups, some of which are at odds with one another sometimes, so it's really encouraging to me seeing this kind of coalescence, but let's read and skim for you all what this letter says. Dear Director Williams, the undersigned hunting, fishing, and other conservation organizations representing millions of sportsmen and women across the U.S. are aware from court filings in the above-referenced litigation that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is engaged in settlement discussions with the Center for Biological Diversity. We respectfully request that the service reject any settlement of pending legislation that would undermine or reduce the expansion of hunting and fishing opportunities on national wildlife refuges. A settlement would be inconsistent with the service's responsibilities under the National Wildlife Refuge System Improvement Act of 1997, which I listed. The Improvement Act directs the service to prioritize the expansion of hunting and fishing on refuges. To this end, we also applaud your leadership and your recent expansion of hunting and fishing opportunities on 1.2 million acres announced in August of last year. I think the Trump, yes, the expansion was 2.3 million acres. That's what it is. The plaintiffs allege that the service violated the Endangered Species Act and National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA, because additional hunting and fishing on these public lands poses a great threat to endangered species through potential lead poisoning from ammunition and tackle. Several of the challenged hunting opportunities were requested by state wildlife agencies and intended to manage overly abundant or invasive species. We sincerely hope that the service will not allow a lawsuit to dictate the conservation and management of wildlife on refuges. And they say the undersigned organization strongly object to any settlement that would close hunting or fishing or ban the use of traditional ammunition or fishing tackle. It is especially concerning that the service might consider closing refuges without any input from the hunting conservation community or state wildlife agencies. It is our understanding that the National Wildlife Refuge System is underfunded and understaffed. Any settlement that would add to the service's financial burden should be summarily rejected. The service cannot afford to adopt the view of a single interest group, quote, preservationists, that erroneously objects to particular priority recreational uses successfully allowed on refuges throughout the country. Da 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 da. And I'll read for you the signatories, but they this administration's like, we have the biggest expansion of public lands, and oh, $1.5 billion in funding went to habitat restoration efforts. So if they proceed with this lawsuit, which I have no doubt they will, you cannot have much faith in this administration. I'm losing patience with them, and I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though I vehemently disagree with their agenda, but if they settle, all things are off the table. And like I had mentioned earlier, if conservation groups even think 
they will be a reasonable partner in permitting hunting and fishing opportunities under the 30-30, proposed 30-by-30 framework. Good luck with that. I don't think if they concede on this, they're going to concede and make concessions to more radical preservationist groups. So like I said before, I'm going to reiterate this again. Do not negotiate and concede on 30-30, especially if this settlement proceeds. You have to be aware of that. And we'll talk more about 30-30 continuously. And so they say, we strongly urge at the final paragraph, the service to cease settlement discussions with CBD vigorously oppose their baseless lawsuit and defend the lawful and appropriate expansion of hunting and fishing on over 2.3 million acres of land on national wildlife refuges across the country that were expanded under Trump's administration. So who are the 40 signatories? A pretty illustrious group, believe it or not. So let me read for you who they all are. The Alaska Professional Hunters Association, the American Sport Fishing Association, American Woodcock Society, Archery Trade Association, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Bass Angler Sportsmen Society, Boone and Crockett Club, California Waterfowl, Campfire Club of America, Coastal Conservation Association, Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation, Conservation Force, the Council to Advance Hunting and Shooting Sports, Dallas Safari Club, Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited, Houston Safari Club, International Game Fish Association, Isaac Walton League of America, Masters of Foxhounds Association, Mule Deer Foundation, National Deer Association, National Professional Anglers Association, National Rifle Association, National Shooting Sports Foundation, National Wild Turkey Federation, Northwest Sport Fishing Industry Association, Orion the Hunters Institute, Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Rough Grouse Society, Safari Club International, Sportsman's Alliance, Student Anglers Federation, the Bass Federation, the Wildlife Federation, Wild Sheep Foundation, Wildlife Forever, Wildlife Management Institute, and Wildlife Mississippi, a pretty diverse, cohesive group of some of the nation's leading conservation groups across hunting and fishing. If that's not a resounding force, for the Department of Interior slash Fish and Wildlife Service to listen to. I don't know what is, but listen to the sportsmen. And again, take aside whether you have objections to lead. And I understand that's a debate in conservation. I know some people who think we should do away with it. I think it's impractical to do away with it, like I said, because of the costs that will be incurred. The way that it's used as a tool to restrict access, to price people out of these activities, I vehemently disagree with that. We should never price people, especially newbies, from hunting and fishing out of the activities. That's a really stupid move, if you ask me. And it's impractical, and it makes no sense. Yes, have all, all options available, but don't impose restrictions on lead, tackle, and bullets. Like I said, they're cheaper. I think the minimal, the impact is minimal of what they can do. If As long as you're not polluting and destroying your surroundings, it's perfectly fine. I think a lot of people employ scare tactics to dissuade people from using lead, tackle, and bullets. But even lead, when you're going hunting... I think I used a copper alternative when I got my deer in Wyoming and there was something weird about the bullet, how it would spread, how it spread and kind of injured my deer unnecessarily. And a lead bullet would not do that. It wouldn't have so much damage. So there is debate over the efficacy of alternatives, even for shooting sports. And I haven't used copper tackle or alternative tackle yet, but I have used alternative. I really don't know if I spot the difference or if I see the difference in it. Um, I still am probably on the lead tackle and bullet camp because I want things that are affordable. I think a lot of, like I said, misconceptions about it are still prevailing and we don't want to exclude people. How could we be like this saying, let's increase our forces, let's increase our participation numbers and oh, oops, if you hunt with lead 
bullets or if you fish with lead tackle, you're excluded from the club. We cannot become that. And that's what a segment of preservationist environmentalists want. They want only their people, people who think like them, to access public lands, public waters, and we cannot allow that mentality to become mainstream. So that is the takeaway from this. Again, go to Sportsman's Alliance, read the full letter for yourself, and make a decision for yourself if you like this or if you're like me and you have lots of questions and disagreements and you want to make your voice heard, you have to certainly do that. And I don't know what opportunities there will be for the public because something like this had to go about through the public comment process and be available on the federal registrar. But if they proceed with restricting and undoing public lands access because it stems from the Trump administration of hunting with lead or fishing with lead tackle, we have to question whether or not this administration really is for public land interests, and I don't think they are. They say they are, but they love to restrict the means for which you could access it and make it expensive. So preservationist environmentalism is creeping into our sphere, fellow hunters and anglers. And you need to be on the lookout and we want to be that guide for you here on District of Conservation. You may disagree with my assessment. That's perfectly fine. But as I said, I listed a lot of different groups, some of which have big disagreements with me, um, probably are very slanted more so to the left, a few of them. And I'm leaning more conservative. So if you have all these groups, even with their differences coming together for this, something is signaling that the administration is wrong. They're going to lose favor with sportsmen, which they really didn't have. But the people who were kind of like, okay, we'll go into this with, you know, cautious optimism. You're going to lose those people who had cautious optimism. I'm a pessimist. I've worked in politics for too long, and I haven't seen any indication of this administration really representing the true interests of hunters and sportsmen and women. And if they proceed with this, uh, that goes out the table. So that's what I have to say on this update. Read for yourself. Make an educated opinion. You can disagree with me. You can agree with me, but you have to be aware of this. I read for you. I'm not just putting this out of thin air. So let me know your thoughts and and uh, what you think will happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of District of Conservation. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you're following the podcast on your preferred player. We recommend Apple because that's where the largest share of our listenership hails from. And you can also find us on Spotify and dozens of other platforms. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And please, please, please go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify. Those help us go a long way in seeing how far we can go and measure our progress. So we really appreciate that. If you enjoy this podcast, please share the word with your friends, share links to individual episodes and to the podcast. Want to appear on the podcast? Have an interesting story to tell? I'm all ears. Shoot me a message and we'll do our best to process your request.